Rodgers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the man. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Special final. Uh, we're going to do things differently today because, of course, we're going to do things differently today because we got to do things differently because a lot's happening here, isn't it? Isn't it, Joe Patrick? Oh, man. Last night was a doozy. Not just the game, obviously. Um, I think most people who are listening to this podcast probably have seen Joseph Martinez's quotes, uh, probably heard them as well. We're going to play them here for you in a second, too, just so we can kind of put that up at the front of everything we're going to talk about afterwards. But um, certainly when Joseph speaks like this, it is kind of a, a come to Jesus moment. It tends to have been that for this team for many years now. Um, you know, the first few years, he didn't really have to do that. But ever since things have started to unravel a bit since uh, kind of, you know, slowly, but surely since 2019, he seems to have come to the fore every once in a while. And, done something like this and uh, as some people have said it usually results in things happening afterwards so obviously we're going to talk about all of that but yeah I mean that was just a um it's been quite the dramatic last what 12 hour 16 hours <laughs> now that we're yeah as we're recording this so yeah a lot to talk about it seems like a turning point right now a turning point towards something yeah towards something I, I, I don't know what i don't know what it is but i think you're right uh something has to change here after last night so we'll get to that in just a second a couple of things to tell y'all about right quick before we get into all of this want to point out of course first that the intro song is chances by kirk castle Thank you can kirk. find his music on spotify and everywhere else sorry you have to lead into this discussion kurt but we still love you <laughs> Go ahead and check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final. Whole bunch of stuff coming up on that, of course, throughout the week as we learn more and discuss this more and and talk about whatever else is going on in a very busy week for Atlanta United. There's a game of Wednesday after all of this. So yeah, I know. a whole lot to get to. Uh, we're reaching out to folks. I think we may have some former players on to kind of discuss the, the state of the club at this point. We'll get to all of that on patreon.com slash Final quick, some personal news from me. You may have seen this on social media, but if you haven't, I am a part of a new website called The Striker Atlanta. We are launching on Friday. We're going to cover all of this. We're going to cover some features, some analytics stuff. We're going to deep dive into everything Atlanta United with some consistency and with the resources to do it really, really well. I wish uh, maybe that the the club was perhaps in a better moment as I took this <laughs> took this leap. You're but in, like, we're community. doing it anyway. It's like a community gift where like, you walk into the door and like, <laughs> there's just like fire. <laughs> The but uh, you mu- you got to remember in that community gift, Troy uh, does have pizza. We will have pizza <laughs> for you guys amidst the amidst the wreckage of this. The striker dot com. Uh, go ahead and check it out. We launched Friday. I'm very excited I'm, about that. I'm excited for you, too, Sam. Uh, I can't wait to you know read all the stuff that you put out. And I'm mainly just really happy that um, not that like obviously we've been doing this podcast forever. Um, so you've always kind of been very in the loop with Atlanta United, of course. But uh, I'm just really excited that you're going to be kind of even like closer on the beat. You know, like you'll be there, mm. you know, doing a lot of the a work that I think is frankly not in the the media space right now so uh, yeah i mean i'm mm-hmm. i'm really looking forward to it and happy for you and can't wait 
Me too. The national stuff is fun, but yeah. I love my city and I, I want to get back to, to being a part of the community. Even and more I know here. you, I know, so. I know from your perspective, like you probably don't get like the same kind of feedback and just like that. Yeah. That kind of like community feel that you do when you're writing nationally, you get more like mm-hmm. sub tweeting from Charlotte. Hey, <laughs> screw you, buddy says Nashville fan three, two, one, four, five on Twitter. Anyway. Yeah, that's most of it. So uh, to get back to that, it's really good. Uh, again, though, <laughs> I won't be short of things to talk about or write about, it, it seems, at the very least, as we go into this first week of The Striker. Uh, let's provide some context before we get into all this. Last night after the game, uh, we do our normal thing, the media does, of heading down to uh, the press conference room. And we get there at our normal time. We, we're probably like, it probably takes us about five, ten minutes to actually get into that room. Mm-hmm. At that point, we sat there, we sat there, we sat there, and we, then we started looking at the clock and said, well, it's been it's been 15 minutes. This is weird. And then we sat there for about Joe Patrick. I think I clocked it at like an hour, four minutes. Wow. Waiting for Gonzalo Pineda to arrive to this postgame press conference. We were informed somewhere in the middle there that the team talk after the game was still going on. I think we can all kind of infer what that was like. That's obviously a come to Jesus talk. That's obviously let's get this out there and get everything out in the open kind of talk. And I don't know. We, we, we won't be sure what was said in there, but we can guess, well, right? Well, I think we have an idea of what was said based on what Joseph Martinez told the media in the, in the scrum last night. Like I, you know, Gonzalo Pineda wasn't going to talk about it obviously, but I think that Joseph would not have come out and said what he said if he hadn't already said that. 30 minutes earlier or whenever it was, you know, like I think that he was definitely voicing those same things to inside the locker room. And, you know, I think Joseph is actually, I don't think he like goes off the cuff on these kinds of things out of emotion. Like I think that he uses the media um, pretty intelligently in terms of just like, he might be trying to get this message across in, you know, indoors in house, but then when he feels like he has to, to do this, then he's going to use the media to get, you know, his thoughts out there and to try to change the momentum of the way that this team is going. He's very calm and measured in the way he delivers mm-hmm. these things. Right. And we get to see that. And sometimes that's lost when we just put it out on yeah. Twitter or onto DSS or onto wherever. Right. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to listen to the entire press scrum which is a martinez it's always a little bit more difficult right when we're uh trying to bridge a language gap just a little bit right so there are some things that are um maybe tough to kind of understand at times and, and we're going to try to parse through that as best we can but let's take a listen to to everything joseph had to say in context right now this happened months ago so it's not a surprise for us it happened months ago oh yeah we have we played at this months ago, so it's the same. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. You asked what happened tonight. He said it's been happening for three months. Oh, okay, okay. Um, coach, talk to us about um, the need for the players to show more fight for each other uh, on the field. Um, if that hasn't already been happening, how is it suddenly going to start happening Wednesday against Salt Lake? Ya no han estado peleando uno por, por los demás. ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo va a empezar para el próximo partido? No lo sé. Eh, ustedes son periodistas. Ustedes lo analizan mejor que nosotros de afuera. Lo que se habló acá adentro se queda de acá adentro. 
y la opinión de ustedes, ustedes la pueden tener afuera cuando quieran. Ustedes deciden cuando quieran, de hace, desde el 2019, desde el 2017 han cambiado muchísimo hasta el día de hoy, entonces no hay sorpresa. Hay muchos jugadores mucho jugador que están lesionados, ellos vinieron aquí, jugaron mejor que nosotros y, y merecen ganar. Entonces, no es una sorpresa que hayamos perdido otra vez. You guys are, are journalists, so you can analyze from the outside, you know, what's going on and, and come to your own conclusions. Um, I'm not going to talk about what was said, you know, in here that's going to stay in here. Um, but a lot has obviously changed since 2017. Um, but we know that we've got a lot of injured players. Um, but, yeah, you know, nothing that happened uh, tonight is a surprise. Gonzalo said that the fans and us and everybody will see a different team against Real Salt Lake on Wednesday. How, how is that going to happen? Soccer. Sometimes you can you can win, sometimes you, you can lose. It's a sport. Probably we have to apologize to people come here for watch the best soccer. Was not the the best day for us. Um, we tried to fight. They was the best better team at, uh, than us. Yeah, the next game is the next game. You never know what happened next game. So. That's it. We have to keep going. Joseph, you referenced 2017. You've obviously seen this team run other teams out of this building here. Do you, have you thought about that at all? Just like in the wake of this kind of game, just thinking about what this team has been in the past and kind of what it is now. Tú has estado aquí todo el tiempo. Has visto muchos partidos en casa donde hemos codeado a los a los rivales. Eh, bueno, has, has visto de todo. Si piensas en En, en esos equipos de antes y este equipo de hoy y bueno, todo eso. Mm, sería, sería muy mal de mi parte hablar eh, de, de, de los equipos que, que ha pasado aquí mucho tiempo. It would be wrong for me to, to talk about the team that we had here a long time ago. Um, creo que para mí también puede ser mi último, mi último temporada acá. Eh, tratará de dar, de dar lo mejor. Creo que, que cada quien tiene que pensar qué se hizo mal. Hay muchas cosas que nosotros no podemos controlar. Así es que, que puede ser tu última. Eh, ¿Qué? Me queda todavía un año contento, entonces. Sí, creo que todos tenemos que pensar en lo que vimos hoy. Puede ser mi última vez aquí. One year of a contract left. Um, y qué más? Eh, y nada. Otra vez tener que pedir disculpas a la gente que ha venido para acá, que ha visto este equipo muchas veces o muchos años hacer el mejor Atlanta de hace mucho tiempo. We also again have to apologize to the fans who came to watch us because um, you know that they've been coming here and supporting us for a long time. Hay cosas que no podemos controlar durante aquí. Estamos jugando con lo que hay, con los jugadores que hay. There's things that we can't control. Uh, we're trying to play with, with what we have and uh, the, the players that we have. You know, uh, the life is gone. The life keep going, you have to keep going. Yeah, okay, one or two more, we gotta go. Do you agree with coach that y'all are fighting for each other enough on the field? Yeah, actually, 100%. This not happened today. This happened beginning of the season two, so. We play because we have to play, but uh, in the training, some players don't have uh, that energy. Some people don't know what we have to do, or they don't recognize, or they don't appreciate the, the jersey. 
and what we do it for a long time and um, probably that's the most problem because the injury is not a problem we, we play soccer and you can have injury every day and some people still think oh because we lost this guy we lost this guy we have a mistake we all make a mistake and uh, we are professional it's not kids anymore and if you come here you have to know what we have to do so if you not come here for 100 percent probably you know you know have to choose this this club to play so the people that's a message for everyone if you want to bring some guys it's because they want to play here and it's not because business and um that's happened for a long time as a Last as one. a captain and as a leader of the team have you spoken to these players about your concerns sí. it could also be my fault um como siempre dicen por ahí que, que siempre el, el árbol que da más fruto el que más le tira. As, they, as the saying goes, uh, the, the fruit that the tree that gives the most fruit is the one that's picked the most. Yo soy el primero en reconocer que hemos tenido malos malos partidos. I'm the first one to realize we've had bad games. Así como también hemos tenido mu muchos buenos partidos. But we've also had many good games. Y también le hemos traído mucha alegría a esta ciudad. And we brought the city a lot of joy. Pero bueno, fue un, es un año raro. It's a strange year. Y es la vida. That's eh, life. A veces tenemos que pelear con lo que hay. Sometimes we have to fight with what we have. Y nada, y ir para el frente. Yo le pongo la bala a, lo, a, a los problemas. We, y, gotta, we gotta keep moving forward. Y las personas que están con nosotros saben, como vinieron hoy 70.000 personas, no sé si fueron 70, que están con nosotros. Y esperemos que, que los buenos tiempos vuelvan otra vez. And the 70,000 people who came here today, uh, they're with us, and we hope we can bring the good times back. Can I get one more? You've said that um, you want to stay here for as long as they, the team wants you. You just referenced your contract situation a second ago. Do you, are you thinking about possibly leaving? I have a I still have one one year, so I enjoy every day because uh, I I have to say thank you God for bringing me back to the field. I try to do my best. Sometimes I can play good, sometimes not. Sometimes can I score, sometimes not. Um, I put my whole body in the fucking field, and um, this is not discussed. But you know, his soccer is life, and um, probably. Still need more, um, more different area, more different players, probably, and uh, we, we we think about it. Thank you. All right, Joe Patrick, that's a lot. That's a lot. But can I tell you my reaction? Yeah. To it. Yeah. I went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That that's that's not to like brag on us or anything, but we've been saying that for. Uh, we've been saying a lot of those things for a second, haven't we? Yeah, you know, it's right. And I think the fans can see it too. Anyone who was paying attention last night can see a lot of that, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, <laughs> it was kind of funny because Taylor Twelman quoted, you know, the the tweet thread that I had put out where I was just transcribing everything that he said as best I could, and um, and you know, he made some comment like, um, 
you know, Atlanta United fans may not want to hear this or whatever, but like, actually, I feel like Atlanta United fans have been the ones that have been saying this. And as us who are podcasters who are like taking their questions every week, it's a lot of this. It's been a lot of this uh, for, you know, months now. So uh, I don't think it was like all that surprising what he said. I think some of the obviously some of the specific things that he mentioned were uh, kind of take you back a bit when he's talking about his contract, when he's talking about um, players coming here for business. Uh, I think that he's, well, I don't know. Where do we want to dive in to kind of like start digesting what he said? I mean, I agree with you. I think that none of it was surprising, but I think that it also kind of, um, it, um, it lays down a marker, you know, for like where he is at Mm -hmm. his point in his career and what he wants out of this club, uh, in order for that relationship to continue. Yeah. No, the content itself wasn't surprising, but the fact that was said out loud was. Yeah. And that's what got everyone's ears pricked up. And that's where we can clearly tell that, that something has happened to put the team in a position where they have to do something at this point. I don't know what that is. <laughs> and we're, we have so many questions about what that is. And, you know, I've, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that obviously this needs to be a, an active transfer window. And, Frankly, I haven't seen much news about that at this point. Um, maybe this is the maybe this is the the kerosene on the fire mm-hmm. for that. M- maybe just maybe because Joseph Martinez is unhappy, and Joseph Martinez is publicly unhappy. And as someone points out in the questions later, that got the last coach fired. So, yeah, well, along with a whole bunch of other things, right? So clearly, this is the the kind of the last gasp of whatever is trying to be executed this season. And if it doesn't happen within this window, then it's lost, Mm -hmm. right? This whole season's lost. Mm -hmm. And that's embarrassing on a number of fronts. Yeah. um, Totally. There, there was one part in, in Joseph's talks when he mentioned the injuries and um, you know, something I've said about this team and I would actually still get behind the statement that I've been making, which is that Carlos Bocanegra put together a very solid team to start this season. Um, and injuries have unfortunately, you know, taken away some of your most important players. Um, I like the fact that Joseph Martinez brought that up and dismissed it because I don't think that that really gets at the foundation of what Joseph is talking about in these quotes. I think that he is, not even necessarily talking about this team in particular, like this season's team. I mean, obviously in some parts he is, but I think he's just talking about the general trajectory of the club, especially with the way he ends the whole thing where he says like, you know, and it's been like that, you know, he's talking, it talks about it being about business for players coming in. I think both on the, I think he's talking about the players on the player side as well, coming in for money and not because they want to, to come in for a specific project. Let's remember when, when this first Atlanta United team was built a large, you know, it was built on, the foundation of Tata Martino kind of energizing these players who are coming in and wanting them to be part of this project. He has the famous quote with Miguel Almiron and all that. So uh, I think, mm. yeah, I think that's definitely part of it, but obviously I think a part of it too is talking about Boca Negra and, you know, the front office and the way that they've just tried to bring in players that they think are the best possible players and maybe for business, like younger players that they can bring in and then sell it, sell it at a, at a profit later on down the road. So um, I think that Joseph Martinez is talking about just a club wide 
issue that is kind of like, you know, very fundamental to the way that this team has progressed since 28, since Tata Martino left, basically. Yeah, no, that was certainly a stark part of it. Just essentially, I think the phrasing you used was, was that guys weren't playing for the jersey. Yeah. You know? And again, that's one of those things you can look at last night and see pretty clearly that it wasn't happening on the field. Yeah. We don't, we don't know about the day-to-day in training, but that was an indication that's not happening in the day-to-day in training Yeah. either. And I don't know if that's because of a lack of accountability or just who these guys are, who this group is at this point. And that continues to be my concern is that this, this group is what it is at this point from a mentality perspective, from a talent level and spots like midfield, which were totally exposed last night. Which, when coupled with a lack of effort from people, I, I thought Abara and Hosetsu were terrible. <laughs> Abara had zero tackles in the game. He attempted one tackle in the Great. game and was dribbled past five times. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Franco Abara, frankly, has like been non-existent pretty much over the last three games. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had good, his stats were good in the Miami game when the team was up a man for. 60 minutes or however long it was, which I think you would expect. And I kind of throw that out since then, since that Columbus loss before the long break, he's basically been like in just non-existent on the field. And, uh, mm-hmm. that is a huge concern. Um, and I, he's not the only player. I mean, like there's all kinds of players that I think, um, you know, uh, Chris, uh, Smith, um, uh, uh, you probably know him on Twitter without him on the show. Um, trying to remember his outlet 90 men I think uh you know he he posted some screenshots like Mateus Rosetto kind of letting a guy run in behind him Felipe uh, for the first goal um just kind of trotting behind him and then lets off him completely and that goal that Felipe scored like he was wide open on the header like nobody was even there contesting Mm -hmm. him in the box which is just you can't have that and that's where Gonzalo Pineda gets to Gonzalo Pineda's point where you can talk all about tactics um you can even talk about you know just like technically connecting passes just connect playing a pass from me to you but before all of that it has to start with a certain determination that players have on the field to be difficult to play against to to try to win games and to not make it easy on the opponents and that's really where this team is is struggling right now in fact let me just i'm just gonna play that audio we're not gonna play all of Pineda's audio um because you know go check it out on youtube for sure it's like 15 minutes long it would just make this podcast too long but the way i understand what he says here is like Football is like a stack. I says, I, wow, I just said football. Soccer is like a stack. And you can't just like jump to the tactical portion of it before you get to the technical portion of it. And you can't get to the technical portion of it before you get to this kind of what he calls passion. But just it's the desire and determination to to win, to want to win and feel like it's kind of existential in that way. So So let's play this from Gonzalo. We cannot do anything else more than fight, compete, come back to the very basics of football. And that's what I want to say is the very basics of football is pass and reception. If I don't concentrate enough to make the right pass to my teammate that is five yards away from me, then I'm doing something wrong. So that's that's the, then we can talk about tactics and where he position and how we attack and we yeah yes we can talk after I connect my passes then we can talk about tactics after I'm good technically we can talk about being good tactically, but before that 
is the passion. Before all of that, as a footballer, has to come the passion and the attitude and everything. And again, that starts with me because my message has to be such as good as the players show that passion and that attitude that I have to ref- I have to show them that. So uh, it's, it's about that. It's about merging the passion, the desire, the heart, the, the willingness to do everything I have to do to win the game. Then with the talent we have up front, I think we're going to find ways to score goals. But before all that, it has to come the other part. Uh, and, and that's where I feel we're lacking more in, in these moments. Look, can I... You play in front of 67,000 people yeah. last night. Large majority of them there for you, right? And the team you're playing for and the, the shirt you're wearing, right? You come out and half ass it, man. Yeah. I don't know. That that's me. I don't know if that's coachable. If you just don't got it in you. Yeah. If you don't if you don't have that dog in you, right? I don't know. I don't know where it's gonna come from. Yeah. That that's my so, first thought. So Go ahead though. I, I'm sorry. Pineda is saying that like he, he you know he includes himself in this criticism and I'm going to include him in this criticism right now as well. Um a lot of people have been talking about you know they've been been voicing their criticisms of Pineda in the wake of this game because of the tactics, you know, the team can't perform. I actually agree that there is criticism to be levied on Gonzalo Pineda, but it's not because mm-hmm. of the tactics. It's because of um the way that this locker room has not been able to like cohesively gel. He's talked a lot about wanting to make the training ground a more positive place, a place that players want to be, a place that players want to spend their time and just kind of create that that ambiance, that vibe or whatever you want to call it um, to, to make players happy. To me, it seems like just having from having heard him and Joseph that there's some sort of fundamental breakdown within the locker room. Like to me, it feels like a communication gap. Like you've just got like clicks of players who aren't like really talking to each other and don't really have relationships with with one another and don't really fight for each other. As he says, you know, run for each other, do that kind of thing on the field. I think part of that is probably down to also the injuries and the fact that like half of your team right now is like, 20 years old or less. And like, you know, you've got like very fundamentally different places. These players are coming from. You've got like high price mm-hmm. players who have come in for big money. You've got Aiden McFadden and Caleb Wiley and Rocco Rios Novo who are kind of like, you know, in the opposite camp. Um, so I feel like those are some of the, the fissures that there that exist in this locker room. And to me, it seems like those fissures are really kind of showing up in these moments where the team is not playing cohesively and just playing together for each other on the field. And that's where, I mean, we always reference it, but guys like Jeff Lorenowitz, Michael Parkhurst, even Braguzan, I would mm-hmm. say, would like be getting on p- players' asses. And, and Braguzan had a great relationship with most players, and he was kind of one of those glue guys for as much as you know we might criticize him for this or that play or whatever. I think that losing that leadership is, is massively important, and Ozzy Alonso plays into it as well this season. Mm-hmm. You sound like you were going to say something. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just okay. agreeing. I think you're yeah. right. So, I think, so right. I think for that reason, like I, th- I think Gonzalo Pineda has could have done better managing this squad to get them mm. to so that we're not at the point we are right now. Uh, I, I don't think that it's like about tactics necessarily. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I definitely do have some tactical issues, but 
they didn't lose that game last night in the way they did because they didn't play like a three at the back or whatever, you know, like that's what I would have wanted to see. (laughs) I think they will go to a three at the back, but like, again, that's besides the point. The point was that Austin was able to not really have any possession, but then when they did get the ball was able to just play in acres of space, like nobody near some of their guys. And then some of their attacking midfielders then had just like plenty of time to just like receive the ball turn and then ping like a long diagonal, that was uh, had a winger attacking Caleb Wiley or Aiden McFadden, and that was clearly Austin's tactic, you know, to going into the game. Which is weird because it's not like any of them were trying to get forward anyway. Mm-hmm. For the most part, right? I mean, I, I saw Aiden make a couple runs, I saw Caleb make a couple runs. The rest of that group, no one was trying to get in behind. Yeah. How do you get out of position when you're not moving? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was it was shocking. It was shocking to to see how little effort was being put into to so many things. And I, I think it's fair to, to levy that kind of criticism against Gonzalo Pereira because he'll tell you that. Yeah, he'll tell you that's not good enough. And he knows that. Do you remember <laughs> at the same time? Go ahead. I was going to say just like really quickly to your point about player like not really like getting into those threatening positions in that Tata Martino era. It was like an onslaught. Like when they were like, I would always remember like. When when the uh, Atlanta United was attacking the the side of the field that we the press sit on, it was great because you just got to watch like attacking. It was almost like an attacking training drill happening. It was just like over and over again, getting the ball to the byline, getting the crosses in. You know, that's the funny thing about Tata was like it wasn't like beautiful, quote unquote, beautiful football in terms of like all these like slicing through balls, like carving up a defense. No, it was just like an onslaught of pressure coming from the wings, you know, Tito Vialba, Julian Gressel feasted mm-hmm. in his system because of this um, and just creating absolute havoc and forcing other teams back. And they just don't really do that very much. They kind of get it into the opponent's half and then play around, play it in the U shape. And there isn't that kind of penetration. So anyway, sorry. I just wanted to- right. Well, that, I mean, all that goes back to the, the lack of trust we're talking about. And part of that comes from the locker room, right? Which I think that's a fair criticism to, to throw that way. Is that you know that the connections aren't there to kind of build that trust to to be able to make a run forward or or to move out of position and know that someone's going to cover for you and and to do all the things that involve taking those risks that it, the Tata teams took and created great attacking teams and the other part of that is that <laughs> I mean the, the other players know that the midfield probably isn't good enough to make up for anything the back line is is held together with zip ties right now. There's no sense of security in any movement that's not the one that's been drilled into you, I guess, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there's nothing to move past beyond the framework. They're, they're just stuck in it. They're just stuck in it. And it comes from so many things. And last night highlighted all of it, just laid it out there for everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> to see all at once. Yeah. It, and it, was it feels like there's a lack of bravery that exists within some of the players just in the way that they move on the field you remember early in the game there was a moment where Aiden McFadden and Luis Araujo combined going into the box and Aiden McFadden ended up you know there was like a back heel involved I think and um a nice Mm -hmm. dribble and Aiden ended up in a in a great spot you know that was a great chance created I don't even know if it resulted in an actual shot or not but that's what you want to see you know like that's the kind of pressure that you want to be able to apply on teams and it just does not happen consistently whatsoever that seemed like an anomaly oh even still when Aiden got the ball in that position he looked shocked yeah, yeah. 
he he was shocked to see that he might have uh, an attacking opportunity in front of him and didn't take the space quickly enough for it to be disruptive. You know, that that's kind of where everyone is at this point. I think it's a good illustration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I think to your point, like, I think the reason that we don't see players taking those risks to get in behind and do that is because they don't they don't trust that, you know, players behind them have their backs and are going to be able to track down balls if there is a clearance and um once that starts to happen once 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 it starts to happen where Luis Araujo has to make a 100-yard sprint back because you know there wasn't a clearance uh you know a ball wasn't won in midfield and he's you know it's just going to lead you naturally to be more hesitant when you to to make those moves and it physically depletes you when you have to do that so i'm not trying to say like with him necessarily i'm just saying like that's like an example of something that can lead you to not playing in that kind of aggressive attacking style that you say you want to play you know the philosophy of this team etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. but like it's not manifesting right now in the field it's not, not at all. And Joe, we said that before, it really hasn't manifested for three years, has it? And when you cycle through coaches like this, it doesn't help, right? But it also kind of only leaves a, a common denominator, which is just the roster in general. And for me, again, the midfield in general is what continues to just be shockingly not up to par in so many ways. And their ability to track back and their ability to get forward. Watching Austin get forward last night was just, again, another reminder that I get pretty much every time I watch any halfway decent team around the league. So other teams move forward with so much purpose and so much speed, and they get so many numbers forward with confidence. Really, United just doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't do that. And I don't know. There's no, there's no central point I think we can necessarily blame it all on but there are common things we can look at and say okay this just isn't good enough this just isn't good enough so yeah i don't know uh rob usry wrote a a nice column just kind of you know laying his thoughts out there on dirty south soccer this morning about joseph's quotes and um honestly when i was reading it before it went out i was struck by him inserting a quote in there from carlos bocanegra when um when he spoke to media late in 2020, when the season was well and truly in the gutter, um, what did he say? I had the quote here just a second ago. Here's part of it. We're accountable with who we bring in. The players that have been here, six or seven guys that we've had on championship teams are not playing up to the level that we expected them to play. That also needs to change. But there was one where he said, um, shoot, gosh damn it. I just had it here a second ago, and then like ads popped up and moved the quote, and now I can't find it. But he talks about having uh, to take responsibility, and that like he takes the responsibility. The responsibility is on him, um, and I think that you know it's evident now that this team has now played poorly under several coaches. Oh, here it is. He says, if people want to have that have criticisms and anger, they can point that towards myself. That's fine. We need to do better. And they haven't been doing better since then. You know, they're literally in a very similar spot that they were in in 2020, which was which is frankly, that's like an embarrassment because that team was Mm -hmm. a total shambles after what happened with Joseph and COVID and everything. So for this team to be in that similar spot is. It's just, uh. I don't know. I don't have really words to describe it other than it's incredibly disappointing. And 
with everything that's going on in the world right now, people are not going to come keep coming to watch it. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, by the end of the game, it was pretty empty. Yeah. Pretty empty for, for an announced attendance of 67,000. Pretty empty by the end of that. And I think the first time I've heard audible booze since like that third the board game when we were all mad about that not knowing where we would be going in just a few years time it's man we we've worried about it for a while it's not like none of the it's not like any of this is surprising we can go back three four years now to the shows we've done where we've said you seems like this culture is eroding yeah seems like fans are are maybe losing interest because of that seems like all these things are are snowballing and I don't know. I, I don't know what was so particularly bleak uh, about this one, but it, it seems to have sparked a lot in, in nearly everybody. Yeah. Because God, it was bad. Uh, I want to read actually, I've just, I've got this old article that uh, I co-wrote with Toyota football who did a lot of the legwork on this. So I wanted to give him a lot of credit, uh, but we wrote it on dirty South soccer uh, back in 2020. That's where I just pulled this quote from. I'm going to start start it with that quote again from Carl's Bocanegra, but I'm just going to read the rest of this, uh, the, the, the conclusion of this article. Quote, if people want to have criticism and anger, they can point it toward myself, Bocanegra told reporters last week. That's fine. We need to do better. Everybody here is accountable on the field, myself included. End quote. If the club's most high-profile executives in Eels and Bocanegra are the, effective, are the highly effective visionary leaders we believe them to be, then behind closed doors, they are surely blaming themselves as well. And perhaps they've earned a mistake or two. One could imagine that after two straight years of unprecedented success, throw in half a third year for good measure, uh, that a certain confidence might arise in one owns, one's own instincts when it comes to major personnel decisions. Perhaps that is what is needed now for the club's best for the club's player recruitment process to return to a more structured analytical philosophy, a team effort where all the insights generated by the club's performance, analysts, scouts, coaches, capologists are all fully empowered to help the leaders of the club make the best possible decisions. And here's the final sentence. The 2020 rebuild was not a success. Perhaps leadership has earned a second shot at it for 2021. But should that one go similarly, we might not say the same about a third. And I think that I feel like that that's where we are right now. <laughs> I feel like we're at mm-hmm. that third failure, you know, like the um it's just continuing to not go well. And again, injuries definitely play a part and I stand by what I said earlier about this team being a properly constructed roster to to start the season. But I don't think we get here to this point that we're at right now without the mistakes that have happened in the past. Yes. Completely agree. Without without that teardown, without all of that in 2020, mm-hmm. yeah. without everything that's happened since then, without a whole handful of bad decisions, we're not here. We're not here. And oh, you think it would be somewhat easy to overcome with the budget they have, right? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just I keep rambling, but I, you you are bringing up things and something that you said a, a minute ago about um the players in that environment in, the, in front of sixty seven thousand people. To me, it totally looks like what used to be sixty seven thousand people in attendance. That that um, and I'm not saying this is like fan behavior at all, but sixty seven thousand people led to better results for the team. Now. 
in my opinion, it looks <laughs> like that is a huge burden on this team. Like they like walk out. I don't want to say scared, but like they walk out hoping that like something terrible doesn't happen. No. I feel like it's like they oh. feel. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, even speaking of burdens, I mean, from a fan perspective, 67,000 people used to show up because they were excited about the team and excited about what they could see. Now they're there out of what uh, obligation? It's a nightmare, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a nightmare. But but something I want to hit at, because this is MLS and because there is a secondary transfer window, is Atlanta United's technically only six points off the playoff line. Now, if we look around the rest of the East, the rest of the East has made moves already, has made moves, big moves. Pretty much every team around Atlanta United fighting for a playoff spot in the same position has made critical moves to get better. And so far, Atlanta United has has bought in a backup keeper, a backup to the backup center back, and maybe bringing in a U-22 player that doesn't fulfill or better any of the real needs this team has it's uh yeah i don't more needs to happen but more can happen is what i'm saying yeah more can happen i agree with that at this point i agree with that i don't think that um i don't think that like new signing well i mean how do i say this um Edwin Mascara is not going to be like the savior for this team. Um, I'm not saying you're saying this, by the way. Um, It feels to me like this team needs a gutting first. Like, it seems like you got to like get out the poison, you know, like you get, you got to like take your medicine. Um, Joseph Martinez talked about it in his quotes. He said that, you know, we need, we need players who want to be here. I'm just paraphrasing him, but like we need players who, want to be here who aren't coming for the money all that um and i think that the players got to look long and hard whether they want to be here you know and i think that for atlanta maybe the best thing to do to set yourself up for success first of all is to try to move out as many players that you feel like don't want to be here as possible or can't handle being here or would rather be somewhere else you know where you're going with this because the the question you have to ask then is is who do you want to be in charge of that? Right. Who do you want to be in charge of that? Yeah. And I don't know, man. The benefit of the doubt is tough to give right now. It's uh, I was. I don't know if I can elaborate more yeah, than that. No. But. I was. I was talking about it with with Rob last night. Um, I'll never like again. I'm not. I'm not. I'm never going to call for like any player specifically, or I'm never going to call for anybody's job, but. At this point, Joseph Martinez was talking about his contract last night. He's talking about how he's got one year left, which is next next season is his last year. There's no way, in my opinion, that Joseph Martinez continues with Atlanta United if Carlos Bocanegra is the general manager. It to me, it feels like there is a there is a mm-hmm. friction there that cannot be so- smoothed over at this point. And so. I mean, we know what side fans would take in that debate, you know, um, but that's the fun, that's the fundamental crux of where Darren Eels, as the person who has to manage the situation is at right now, which is that he's got to, to make that decision. He can't wait on it. You know, um, this offseason is going to be the offseason where if you're not going to go forward, if you know you're not going to go forward with, with Joseph Martinez, you got to sell him. You can't just like 
let him go for one more year and then get nothing out. Like you've got to, you got to be proactive in this situation because you can see it on the horizon and you got to act right now. And the problem is with that is if they had been winning up until this point and had been making the right decisions, they could get away with that. You could get away with, with selling a player who has been injured and not his best self over the last few years. Right. But now, (laughs) now I, I, I've seen the term fan revolt thrown around for a couple of things over the past 24 hours, which is like if they fired Gonzalo Pineda, I, maybe a fan revolt would happen mm-hmm. or um, Joseph would be one of those things that would inspire yeah. such yeah. an action. <laughs> yeah. I think at this point, because the the people making those decisions wouldn't have earned the benefit of the doubt on that. Yeah. So I, I the, the leverage isn't there. It's not. So what do you do? I don't know. You can't just sit on it. You can't just sit on it. So I do you uh, set everything on fire, right? And punt this season and start moving folks out without actively working to bring folks in to try and salvage the rest of this. Cause if you set everything on fire, someone, someone has to go on the funeral pyre, right? And it doesn't make sense for it to be Pineda. It can't be Joseph who's left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and to be clear, you're not doing that just for the sake of doing it. You're doing it because like you gotta make like what move is going to generate long long term success for this team. Like like that's it's not like um burning witches or something, you know, like because you know, it's it's not just doing it mm-hmm. to it's not it, an exorcism. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, it's right. it's um or an execution. It's just like, uh, yeah. I mean, the club just has to think about what's what is going to be best for it. And while, by the way, while Boca Negra is the one who's in charge and takes the responsibility because it's his front office, um, you know, there's other structural things within that front office that uh, needs to be looked at as well. You know, like reassess their recruitment um how that you know mm-hmm. both from a technical analytical standpoint and from um you know like a i don't know some, some like deeper level on like in-person scouting or whatever it was i mean i know that when tata martino was here they had you know in-person scouts all over south america that they contracted with and I, i'm not sure if they still have that arrangement or not but you know there's all this is to say is that you know there's like jonathan specter is uh, what's his role forget a chief scout head or something he's like the head of scout like, like yeah. you know like all these all, all these people in the front office um good people you know like i don't like to have to say this but you know i'm just trying to to say what fan, a lot of fans are thinking right now and um you just have to you you have to approach this situation with a sense of urgency um in this moment were we saying something similar like last year. I don't know. I, re- I remember, I remember also talking about having a sense of urgency right around this <laughs> yeah. time. There is, there, there is <laughs> one key difference. I think somebody asked about this, so I'm just going to steal it out of the show sheet right now. I think it was Henry Gita, uh, who met last night. Great guy. Nice to meet you. Henry, um, said, uh, last time Joseph hinted at leaving the club, a manager got fired. Do we think we'll be seeing that happen again? Um, the difference here is that Joseph Martinez was saying he a hundred percent agrees with what the manager said. So like <laughs> the manager Gonzalo Pineda was the first one who pointed out that 
the desire wasn't there. The passion wasn't there. There's like fundamentally broken things that aren't happening right now at Atlanta United. So that's one of the big differences um, between with what we're seeing this year versus last year. And that's why I would say like, this is not like Pineda hasn't lost the locker room in the same way that like a player like Gabriel he- or a coach like Gabriel Heinze or a Frank DeBoer may have lost the locker room during their times. Like during those times, the players would not come back and n- would not come out and back the coach or like at least the most important player, Joseph Martinez. Um, so that's the big difference and why I, I don't think that Pineda is the guy that really should be drawing the ire in this moment. Yeah, we, we've been on record a few times. Anyway, we should just say it again that we think Gonzalo Pineda can be the guy. We think he can. And he still makes mistakes. Not that he's been yeah, perfect. Exactly. Not that he's been perfect. Yeah. But we, we can't say that at all. And there's been reason for criticism. He's young. He's, he's in his first job as a manager. There are always going to be some kind of growing pains. The tools he's been given to work with have not been good, though. I think that's fair to say. Uh, and again, it all comes back to the roster construction for me. And something I said, I think in like the third week of the season, I remember writing this is that you can't keep throwing replacement level midfielders at the problem and expect the problem to be solved. And that just keeps happening and they keep getting burned for it. So that's again, people are asking me like, where do you start? You start there. And if that doesn't work, then well, you have to consider changing the personnel, making those decisions as far as that roster building goes. Yeah. Should we go to a break? Yeah, let's go to a break. All right. Go to a quick break. We'll be back with your questions. We, we would like to thank the presenting partner of this most depressing podcast of five strike <laughs> final ever. Lucid FC. <laughs> This is, you know what cheers me up, Joe Patrick? Uh, <laughs> Buying clothes. Yeah, right. I should have had a better segue for it. Yeah, but no, in all seriousness, we really do thank Lucid because they've been like incredible mm-hmm. partners with us um, that really help support the show. Um, unbelievable. So really thank you to them. Uh, Lucid FC, it, it, they're located in Buckhead. They're open by appointment and walk-ins from 1 to 8 p.m. daily at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. You can use DSS as your season-long promo code at checkout for free shipping within the United States at lucidfc.us. That's where they've got new summer releases this summer, or new releases this summer, every Thursday on on their website. So check them out, lucidfc.us. Use DSS as your code for free shipping and cheer yourself up with some of the cool designs and clothes that they've got on offer. I like this latest rollout. I'm looking through some of the stuff. There's some good stuff here, man. Got some cool shirts, got some cool hoodies. It is truly the most unique clothing I've unique things. seen. I mean, like they're these guys are not um these guys are actually designers. I, I've talked to them, met with them, they and they hooked me up with a bunch of their stuff. Like they're actually designing clothes. <laughs> like they're they're not like reselling you stuff mm-hmm. that's on uh whatever, like Etsy, <laughs> like whatever you like get like printed on a shirt or whatever. Um they work with manufacturers and they've got an awesome brand book. They've got like awesome uh, deals with um, Jack Harlow, Miles Robinson, Rihanna, as we've talked about before. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm, legit mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. I dig it. I dig it. We also dig your questions. Uh, a whole lot of stuff to get through here. It's going to be a long one, of course, because it has, it has to be, <laughs> it's just where we are right now, but we'll, we'll get through everything. Why not? What else are we doing on a Sunday with no MLS Seriously. games? Right, Joe Patrick.
Jacob asks, and I think this is a good way to kind of frame everything. Joe and Sam, can we have another deep discussion on this week's pod about the state of the club like we did in 2020? Like, where the heck do we even go from here? It's exhausting. Every year, it's new reasons for hope and the same disappointing results. When will things actually change? Should we? Part of me wants to point out just some of the differences between 2020 and yeah, now. Yeah, that's a good idea. 20, 2020 was the very, very, very bottom of the spectrum and the barrel and whatever else you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. The locker room was gone. The team wasn't good enough. Joseph was injured. That was just the lowest possible point that, that could have happened. This isn't that, which almost makes it more frustrating. Exactly. That's that. I was going to say that team deserved to be where they were in the table just based on the roster. <laughs> yes. This team does not. This team is way better. Just when just player for player, when you look at, you know, comparing players, talents to a, different teams. I think that's why Gonzalo Pineda is so frustrated because he knows that he sees that and the results are not there. Um, and I would kind of, you know, this question about kind of framing everything in some, some big way. I, I just, I keep going back to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago where like this team just has lost that, that know-how of what it takes to win. And mm-hmm. there's just no connection back to those teams that did win a championship. And I, tr- as I tried to ask Joseph about that and he didn't want to answer. And I totally understand why, like he didn't want to talk about that team, especially in just like a media scrum like that. But, I couldn't help, but I was thinking about that 2017-2018 team in that second half, watching that game. Not because the team on the field reminded me of it at all, but actually the opposite. You know, it was like, wow, like it, it's gotten to this place and just the whole fans, you know, the, the the stadium, you know, those games used to be packed, you know, um, and rightfully so, because the, those players were not going to lose in front of them. They had an amazing home record. And it just doesn't, it's not that place anymore. Do you still have reactions to certain moments in the game where you just assume that the things the 2017-18 team did are about to happen? There are moments where Atlanta finds like a certain outlet, right? Or a, a certain pocket of space where instinctively I'm like, oh, here comes the ball over the top to Gressel. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a bummer. Mm-hmm. I, I keep having mm-hmm. those. I keep having those. And I I just want to get back to that. I just want to get back to having some kind of instinctual thought of what this team is going to do besides just, oh, they're going to take the ball from midfield, dribble it into three people while everyone stands around and talks about how cool it was to, to watch that first dribble. Mm-hmm. Right. As the team does nothing to move, mm-hmm. you know, and, I don't know. It, to have those first couple of seasons is great. But you're right. No one no one remembers that on this team, really. Mm-hmm. There's only, what, a couple people left? It's like Joseph and Mikey and Ambrose. And even Joseph. Yeah, Mikey Ambrose. And even Joseph. I thought it was very interesting how he said, I put my old body in the effing field. Like, he sees himself as mm-hmm. having a new body and that he's a new player. He's a different player than he was at that time. So I would say, like, even on, like, a metaphysical level, he feels disconnected from the player that he was mm-hmm. during that time that was able to execute the things on the field. Um, yeah. It's like we've, like, 
speed ran Notre Dame's past 30 years, <laughs> right? Like where people are like, oh, why doesn't Notre Dame win anymore? It's because no one knows who the hell, no one who's 18 knows who Newt Rockney is. <laughs> right. Right. Who cares? Somehow Atlanta has like, because of the turnover and because of everything else that's happened is like speed ran that <laughs> to pass that culture and to a point where now I was thinking about this the other day. What do the Academy kids think of this team? Are they excited to be well on Atlanta United? It's a good point. Because like if they just like became cognizant of what's been going on with the actual like first team and everything like that, it's like, oh, we're we're with Atlanta United. <laughs> they kind of suck. I mean, I think that obviously like, you know, a kid coming from the Academy and the twos is, you know, they want to make a career for themselves. So I'm obviously they're very motivated. But I was struck by, you know, like um, Pineda said in the press conference last night, he was like, Look at guys like Caleb Wiley and Aiden McFadden, who do everything, who who do everything I ask of them, and they they may not be perfect. Obviously, mm-hmm. Caleb Wiley made a big mistake. He's made a couple big mistakes in the last couple few games. Um, Aiden was okay as well. He wasn't very as as good as last night as we've seen him previously. But but it's I think that what Pineda was saying there is like he's there's those players are still giving everything. You know, like they're young, they're scrappy, mm-hmm. they don't have any sense of entitlement. Um, that I think maybe some of the other players do, or maybe it's not even entitlement, but it's just a, it's just a, like that lack of caring. You know, it's that lack of feeling like the stakes are are super high. And I feel like, yeah. When does it all change? Great question. We can't control it. We can't. I don't control think. It. Yeah. I'm, I'm no, not sure and, I don't think anybody like, can really predict it. We'll just know it when it when it happens. I think. I think it will change at some point. Um, I mean, something's got to change. Yeah, something, literally anything. There has to. I I don't know. I guess that's almost action bias, right? Like I just want to see literally anything happen, but something. I know happen, this isn't right? what Jacob was asking about, but I really am fascinated for this game coming up on Wednesday, just to see how they perform. Fascinating to see how they perform. I'm fascinated to see what the turnout is like after that. Uh. On a, a whole lot of day. interesting things. Yeah, there. it's gonna be on a weekday. Yeah, it's gonna be rough. Let's go. Ducks ninety six says you guys are the training ground all the time. Do you get a sense of what Joseph is saying is true? I've never been close to the potato out narrative, but if what Joseph is saying is true, I am extremely worried going forward. And yes, I know Joseph can be a drama queen at times. It at training ground, it seems fine. It seems fine. I think Joe kind of hit on something earlier that I was thinking about, which is that. It does seem kind of clicking. Not in the sense that like players are like being bullied or anything. It's right, not like right. mean girls. It's just like language yeah, exactly. barriers. Yeah. You know? Um I, I don't know if there are intermediaries. Um across both languages that, that people speak to to kind of really help that out. But that, that's not totally atypical for sure. most teams. Right. Yeah. You know? the, I mean, yeah, the twenty seventeen, uh, twenty eighteen teams definitely had their you know, like your little friend groups and, and things within the team. That's totally exactly. normal. And it's there, right? But it, it is something to maybe think about. Maybe. But at the same time, when we're there, everyone seems like they like each other. Everyone seems in mostly good mood. They're always playing games after practice and just kind of hanging out and all that kind of thing. But we can't tell what's really going on behind the scenes. But the general vibe is good. That's my take. Yeah, I think uh, I think fans, it might like, piss off a lot of fans like see how players behavior is at 
I should say the portion of training that we're seeing, which is the warm-ups and the cool-downs, which is when they're just kind of being a lot more casual and joking with each other and friendly and all that stuff. But I say that I think that it would piss people off because, like, they're not in a worse mood. <laughs> and I asked Gonzalo Pineda about this the other day and um, just, like, about how 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 the players are able to to deal with this and he actually made the point where he like i was kind of asking it in a more optimistic way like how is it like how are you able to like you know keep the players morale up and he's like you weren't here yesterday <laughs> when uh where he was basically mm-hmm. insinuated that he was like in their ass and they had a really tough day of training when media wasn't there so um there's not a, a whole lot to be gleaned honestly i would say from uh from what we see at training other than just to be able to kind of witness the way that players are interacting with each other in their, in their groups, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it kind of leads into this from Michael Hill. It says, are you guys able to speculate at all on any players specifically that Joseph mentioned as playing for themselves and not the team over the past couple of years signings? The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is we, we just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because we don't see those parts of training. We don't see the day to day. We can guess. Yeah. It would be unfair, I think, to speculate because if you like speculate and you're not right, then you're misleading people and all that. I would, I would, the one thing I would say to this is I don't think he was only talking about this year's team. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't think he was just talking about this year's team. I don't think he was talking about necessarily any one player in particular. Mm -hmm. It just sounded like a collection of things, right? So. That's our take. He's talking more and about like a holistic mentality to. of the club of yeah, of the recruitment of the club. Exactly. Tony says, how angry should I slash we be with this performance this season? The injuries are upsetting, but the FO really effed up our depth this season. Uh, the depth to some extent has been okay. Yeah, I agree. In the sense that like you look at like the fullbacks and the center backs in particular, and you can kind of say, okay, that's somewhat okay as far as like depth pieces go. Sure, it would be nice to have Anton Walks right now, but that's a discussion we had months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't necessarily need to bring back. Um, again, my issue is is largely the midfield, the midfield, and Alan Franco for the most part. I don't know if the depth is necessarily the issue when you've had all these injuries, but when you have people who are starters in still performing badly, which again, midfielders. Right. Yeah. That's where the biggest issue is for me. Yeah. There, there, there are some depth issues in some specific positions. Like I think losing Ozzy Alonso has really killed the depth and kind of that, that mid, that, you know, midfield general type of role. And Franco Barr has been there. And frankly, I don't think he really has had much competition, especially with how much time Santiago Sosa has missed. And by the way, I mean, I think that you should, everybody should think about Santiago Sosa, and kind of his space that he's been in with his team, considering everything that's been mentioned uh, here by, especially by Pineda last night. Uh, he did play, by the way, so he did get subbed on in the game, which maybe that was always part of the plan, just for fitness reasons, to make sure he gets 10 minutes or whatever, but uh, just something worth noting. But outside of that, I think the depth has been, um, the depth has been all right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that you should definitely be angry with that performance. Um mm-hmm. 
everybody is, but you know they have they they've actually had some players step up and and play in roles like uh, Caleb Wiley never thought he was going to be playing this many minutes. Granted, he's made some mistakes, mm-hmm. but he's also shown some really good qualities. Aiden McFadden, very similar thing. So you actually have had some players step up, and I think that's a credit to you know the structure at the club, especially when you're talking about that the youth setup, the academy players coming through, using the twos, all of that stuff. I think um, has been positive but yeah i think it's more the some of those bigger name signings that you're relying on right now and there's not really anybody grabbing the scruff of the neck you know uh of the of those kinds of players and that's what's really upsetting this team should be better based on the way that they're they're spending and you know compiling all these individually talented players supposedly talented players i think they are talented like i I think i think i think that these players are are talented but they have to be committed to one another and i think that that's what we're not seeing that'll help and and you also have to you know have players that fit within some kind of a framework and some kind of a system and an attack even with the players that are extremely talented we haven't necessarily seen that for a lot of the reasons we worried about anyway when you know when when tiago amada was brought in and marcy is still there and the pieces just don't connect which leaves you with Ronaldo Cisneros playing on the wing, which that experience has been um, not good. He had eight pass attempts. Not good in his in the half that he played. Oh that is gosh, like man, man, and the touch is just uh, it's a little yeah, a little yeah. heavy. Yeah, a little heavy. We'll call it that. Again, injuries can maybe help with that some. I'm still team put Caleb on the wing and and put Gutman back at left back when everything kind of gets back to normal and see how that goes, but uh, it still leaves, it still leaves a Marcy off the field, right? Most likely. And that doesn't seem ideal. Doesn't seem ideal. This brings us to this. Ralph says, what is the probability? Each of the following individuals are still with Atlanta United come March 1st, 2023. Uh, Darren Eels, Carlsberg Negra, Gonzalo Pineda, and Joseph are all mentioned. I'm going to say, I mean, again, this is not the fun part of what we do at all, right? Um, we're not bloodthirsty in any way here. We talk to these people. We get to know these people somewhat halfway kind of well throughout our time covering the team and everything like that. So it's tough to even put these kind of, uh, it's tough to even kind of gamify this. And make it kind of like, a, oh, when, when's it going to happen kind of deal. But I'll say this. my The only person in that group, I think, that has a, a higher than 50% chance of not being here at the end of the season is Carlos Bocanegra. And that's where I'm at right now. Based on where things are going, how things are going, and where the blame can fall. I think I think that's the most likely out of that group. Will it happen? I don't know because we're not through the secondary transfer window yet. If they come out of the secondary transfer window and nail it and get all these players in and make a playoff run, we're not even talking about this in a few months. And no one else is going to come in at this point to do the secondary transfer window. So that's your guy. That's who's going to do it. So there's still time to turn it around. If it, misses though or if it doesn't happen at all and this team misses the playoffs that's when you can really start to look at and say okay i I think the odds are relatively decent here at this point Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that you just said there. I'm not going to put a percentage of probability that these players, yeah, that these I feel individuals are going to leave. That. I'm going to, I'll rank them. <laughs> I will, I will rank. <laughs> I will power rank. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, I would put Boca Negra at the top of that list. Um. For the, all the reasons that you just mentioned, I'd probably put, I'd probably put Joseph second. Though I don't see it happening. Maybe maybe Pineda would be second. I don't know. It's really tough between those two. But I but realistically, neither of them I I see not being on this team as of March twenty March first. You know the beginning beginning of next season, as Ralph mentioned. I do want to say something about mm-hmm. Eels, which is that you know he obviously comes under a lot of heat during these moments too. Um, to me, like nobody, sh- I don't think that I, we may disagree on this, but like I don't think anybody should be thinking about him losing his job like his job his job is it's the reason he has a technical director is because they're in charge of the product on the field um darren eels his remit is about getting the training ground built helping facilitate atlanta receiving a world cup bid like like things that are beyond the team i know that it people Mm -hmm. kind of get it conflated because he is put in a marketing role to talk about the team when he goes on 92.9 the game and, and, you know, talks about the team. So I get, so I think that people think about him kind of being in control of the, of the team. Uh, but he's really, his role is much more broad and Arthur blank is not involved with this team. Like Darren Eels is basically like the owner kind of like, that's like kind of like how mm-hmm. I would like, I feel like people misconstrue it where like, like Arthur Blank is kind of overseeing everything and then everybody else. Like the way I see it is like Darren Eels runs everything soccer as it relates to Atlanta, the city of Atlanta. <laughs> He's like, like he, right. that's his role. Um, For sure. It's partly, you kind of mentioned it. It's, it's there's marketing aspects yeah. to it, right? That plays a part in it. There's the structural aspects to it and everything like that. The roster itself. He's a part of that. Right? I agree. Yeah. But the the when we're placing the blame or if we're looking to that at all right if we're looking to to change something and how that is constructed and how that is made then there's one person at the top of that right is my understanding of the structure within the club right we could be off on that honestly but uh you know it hasn't been good as far as the roster construction goes and everything like that since paul mcdonough left and Paul McDonough is Paul McDonough. <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave that open-ended statement out there. Yeah. I'm just going to leave that out there. I do want to clarify and thank you. Like Eels obviously has some role to play in some of the players that come in, especially the designated players. Like we see the videos of him going on trips with Carlos Bocanegra to Argentina to, um, you know, to talk to some of these players. I think more so he is in charge of, uh, you know, the hiring of the people in these important roles like the head coach like mm-hmm. Carlos Bocanegra himself you know putting him in the position that he's in um so that's where it comes out to and I did like right yeah. and I mean to be fair there, there's criticism that's very fair to, to levy at the Frank Cert- signing certainly. and at the Gabby certainly. signing certainly. as well man yeah. certainly um, not trying to say that like he hasn't made any mistakes or anything I'm just saying that there's just like right. no chance I think he gets he's like getting fired and replaced you know Right, exactly. Because I don't think that's the core right. problem. Yeah. 
right? It, man, it, it's kind of scary talking to Falcons fans being like, well, I guess you're stuck with, I guess you're stuck with whatever you got for the next however many years, however bad it gets, because that just kind of seems to be kind of an MO for, for Arthur Blank's teams, right? It's kind of what they talked about. Um, and uh, I don't know. There, there's a good side to being loyal. There's also, it's, it can be a double-edged sword at times as well. Let's move on to this. Pineda Head 17 says, I know others have asked this, but would you all name the players that you shouldn't actively shop? And then Pineda has more trophies than Orlando City says, how far off do you think I am? Keep Rocarios Novos and the new guy, goalkeeper. Hope Miles and Gubman return to form and keep Martinez, Almada, and Arujo. I'm answering calls for everybody else. That's close, I think. I I would take calls on Rocco. I would take calls on Godinho in theory. Well, they don't even they just Ro- Rocco's on loan. Rocco's on loan, so they he's not even right. Really, yeah, so I, yeah, they can't sell Rocco in the sense that like, buy is this I mean, a person that is here for the long term? Definitely. Right. 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 I, I'm not super interested in that being the possibility. Uh, you uh, keep the you keep the homegrowns. You keep the homegrowns. I think Aiden McFadden is good value mm-hmm. uh, and keep him. Other than that. I don't know, man. I think I think that's pretty close. It's it's we had Miles, Gutman, Martinez, Almada, Eruju, everybody else. It's hard to answer this question. Um because frankly, we don't know exactly the dynamics of the team. But like, if Joseph is talking about players who don't want to be here, and one of those players is like a designated player or something, then you know you got to to clear out whoever does not want to, you know, be part of this project that's going on right now. So it's hard to say that anybody's off the table. Obviously, Joseph and Tiago Amada and Luis Araujo are your highest profile and um, best on field talents. So you want to keep them for that reason, but um, not for that reason alone. So I would just say that mm-hmm. other than that, I would say that basically everybody else is on the table. Like, we, I mean, I think we said that last week too, before even all this went mm-hmm. down, but like, <laughs> um, I think they should be thinking about yeah. everybody, but specifically specific players. It's just hard to know because we don't know the headspace of, of all those individuals. But anybody sure. who doesn't feel like sure. they want to be here. Wes, the mediocre idea giver, says, should we hope for a Seattle second half season or start telling dudes to start packing? I think that the only way you get to the Seattle second half season is if you switch things out. I've been studying that. I've been studying that even before this weekend. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Yeah. Brian Schmetzer never had to give one of those impassioned press conferences to like get his team to win like you know like that was a given because brian schmetzer's midfield is really good <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> really good i don't know if anyone's noticed that seems to be seems a theme like, for good teams correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like with seattle a lot of it was like injuries and just like yeah just like you know it, it wasn't like fundamental issues um like we're seeing that had them getting off to like poor starts it was more circumstantial things that right. they were able to finally navigate around exactly and then have a exactly and i want to talk to gonzalo about that and kind of get a better understanding of that and how it why it doesn't seem to be on the path towards that for Atlanta um, but there's kind of a lot to dig into there again the answer to everything seems to be just get Nico Lodero so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brandon uh, DeSantiago via email I did I forgot we had yeah. an email 
uh says hey guys big fan of the show finally made it back up for a game enjoyed myself despite the ass kicking lots of talk about passion and hard work after the game i'm sure there's something to that but to my eyes the tactical setup was all wrong we had a huge chasm in midfield all night we seemed to sacrifice midfield solidity but were ineffective at playing through the wings as soon as the outmatched midfield turned the ball over they countered clinically and an inexperienced back line made mistakes austin was really well drilled and our guys didn't seem to have a plan when they received the ball I'm not Pineda out, but to my eyes, the loss is more on coaching and preparation than talent and effort. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. Keep up the good work. You're so much better at reading than I am. (laughs) The tactics last night, I never saw them get a chance to even really be executed, except for maybe the first five minutes of the game when Atlanta looked relatively in control and the counter press was effective. And then... Felipe scored of all people Felipe scored (laughs) and they shut down. They shut down completely as a team after the one goal after the one goal. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much I can blame tactics for, for that. It just looked apathetic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and maybe we answered this question earlier in the show when we played Pineda's, uh, comments about you know the kind of the passion coming before the technique and then the technique coming before the tactics but um i don't i don't think the loss was about tactics like yeah maybe like i i've said now for a few weeks i would like go back to a back three i would go to a back three i was saying that before the red bulls game i liked what he did in the red bulls game i tried to like ask Pineda after that game if he thought i was like do you think you have like a, a team shape you can go with here that might you know be better and then of course like you get the the answer about like it's not about formation you know um so like i definitely have my my issues with some of the the tactical decisions that have been made this year in general mm-hmm. but like that's not what last night was about agreed <laughs> which brings us to to make a, he says shouldn't all professional players know to make off ball runs yes why does it not happen why has it not happened for like three years Great question. Great question. God, I feel like we we talk about it every week. It's just frustrating. You have to. I mean, uh, like Pierce just says quickly. It's um, like there's got to be a willingness to make off ball runs. It's like it's it's what's inside of you because it's actually like painful physically. <laughs> it's like it's hard. That's what we call them, like hard sprints, hard runs because it's hard to gear yourself up to to make those runs and and to and to run and. Um, when you don't feel that connection with your teammates, then you're not going to do it. Um, and I think it's a subconscious thing. I don't think it's like, I don't like that guy. I'm not going to run for him or like <laughs> something. It's just like a subconscious thing where you don't give the effort required when you don't feel like you're together as a unit. Remember, we talked mm. to Jeff Lorenowitz about this on a podcast. And I, I mentioned to him that I, I vividly remember in that 2019 season, there was a game against LAFC, which I think came right before the Houston win where they end, they lost the game, but everybody collapsed at the end of the game. And it was like the first time I'd seen them all exhausted. And, uh, and he confirmed that that was like, they had like talked about giving more going into that game. And I think that that's like what I'm waiting to see on, see from this team. Last time Joseph talked after a game, I forget which game, uh, it was after the Miami game. Cause it was the game they won. And one of the things that struck me about what he said after that game was, uh, we're all very tired, which is a good thing because it means we worked hard. Mm -hmm. And like it kind of got brushed over because I think a lot of people took it as just like cliche jargon. But like, I think that there's a lot of truth in that. Like, 
this team should be exhausted after 90 minutes collapsing to the ground, whether they win or lose. Like that's the kind of effort that it takes. Pierce asked this. He says, has player personality been undervalued by the club? The entire midfield seems like soft-spoken guys who leadership doesn't come naturally for. I think that kind of hits at what you were talking about, Joe. It's just uh, the personalities are there. We've talked about this in the past, right? Like the team itself kind of lacks the originality, I guess, of of that first group to, to phrase it nicely. Kind of, um, it's I, I do wonder to some extent how much that does translate onto the field. Um, you know, you can be quiet and soft spoken and still be a leader, I guess, but. Maybe there's some truth to that. 20-year-old goalkeeper along the back line, 17 years old, 25 years old, 21 years old, 23 years old. The 23-year-old is a U.S. is a Atlanta United 2 call-up mm. in midfield. You've got 21-year-old Ibarra. I forget how old Rosetto is. Probably like 25-ish. Then you've got Almada's 21, Cisneros. And then you've got Cisneros and Luis and Joseph, who are all older, but... That's a young team that does not like it, like just doesn't have that same character. It doesn't have the same character that you had on those old teams with guys like, you know, grizzled veterans, to be quite frank, like with guys like Jeff Lorenowitz, Michael Parkhurst. But the difference, I think one of the differences is, you know, I've seen this this criticism, criticism levied, which is that like, oh, well, you bought Ozzy Alonso. That's great. That does like fill that kind of role. But like you were relying on a 36 year old to to be there all season for you. And I think that there is some truth to that where it's like he can't be the only one, you know, that's like that with that kind mm-hmm. of character. And granted, you had Bragazan as well. But just in the among the outfield players, he was really kind of the only guy like that. Maybe you would throw Andrew Gutman in there, even though Andrew Gutman is young. He is more of a, a, a leadership type of character. And he's also been out of the squad. But these guys are also there at training. Um and around the team in general, like they're in the locker room and stuff. So their voices are still there to an extent. They're obviously not on the field, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's obviously something that's hugely missing. I agree. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, Yeah. I don't don't have anything after that. I agree. Uh, Smurphy 12 says, why can't any of our goalkeepers set their feet before a ball is shot at slash past them? Uh, It's a decent point. Rocco just hasn't really had it. Not that anything last night was necessarily his fault, but it's clearly not an elite shot stopper. I will say, I'll, you know? I'll say when you're when you're when the defense and midfield in front of you is leaky and allows shots to come in unexpectedly, like that's that leads to worse goalkeeping. We saw Brad Guzan do terribly in 2020 because he had that leaky defense in front of him. He bounced back with a great mm-hmm. 2021 because the defense in front of him was a lot more solidified. And the shots, when the when your defense is more solidified and you're not allowing as many shots coming in from close ang- from close and um, weird angles, then you're just more, pre- like, you can predict the flight of the ball and get your feet set better. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it. And we'll close with this. Zachary Hollis says, no questions, just blessings for anyone who has to cover this mess of a team and try to make sense of it for us depressed and angry fans. We hope we illuminated literally anything today in a pretty long episode where we're still trying to process things from last night and we're both a little tired from last night. Anyone can't notice my blood sugar is dropping over the course of the... (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh God! I, I, I sometimes, feel that. sometimes I feel when we that. do these kinds of podcasts, I just feel like we get to the point where we start repeating ourselves all the time. Um, because mm-hmm. I mean, people have well, interesting questions for sure. At this point, we've been repeating ourselves yeah, exactly. for three years. Yeah, that's part of it too. So it, it just feels draining because we just kind of have to keep saying the same things. But so, I like to try to help people again, make sense. Bottom of it. line, that's my that's like my whole mission with covering this team is I just want people to have a better connection with the team and to have that connection through understanding the dynamics that are going on inside of it so as much as we can relay that and help that i'm happy we do our best we do our best uh again bottom line something's got to change and this window this is your last chance to, to salvage a lot of things i think so someone please do it please okay please. let's get out yeah. of here oh can Bye i say all. one more thing on, on the Patreon, no, we're going to have Jeff Lorenowitz and Michael Parkhurst, hopefully, together. That'll be awesome. Beautiful. Patreon.com slash 5 Let's get out of here. Bye, all. Bye, all. Bye all.